Welcome to The Word This Week, where we believe that the Bible is more than just words on a page. They are the words we live by, and it's pretty cool too. We invite you to join us as we read through the Bible together this year. Welcome back to The Word This Week. We're so excited to be joining you again. My name's Brian Vaughn. I'm the host. With me today is Jimmy Thorpe. What's up? And today, a new voice uh, with us on the podcast is Eli Vaughn. Hi. Hey, Eli, tell us a a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm 20 years old. I am a student at Tech, um, and I get to play a lot of music with Jimmy, and we get to hang out, and I'm so excited to be here. Eli, thanks for joining us and and being a new voice here on the podcast. Uh, I'll also say I'm really proud of Eli. Uh, Eli is, uh, is our son, and we couldn't be prouder of him, so... It's going to be fun to talk about the Bible today with these guys. And I'm also proud of you because I'm your uncle, uh, officially. <laughs> yeah, crazy Uncle Jimmy. And I also yeah. thank you for formally adopting me. So I'm grateful, <laughs> yes. and this commemorates it. So, so you're my are. uncle and my brother. Yes, I'm okay. your uncle brother. <laughs> it's very Southern. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, my kids do call him Crazy Uncle Jimmy. That's right. So uh, that's, that's fun. Uh, so before we jump into a little bit of recap, uh, I'd like to just ask you guys a question. And um, this is kind of off the cuff. I haven't prepared you for this. Uh, but here's the question. How has the way you read or understand the Bible changed the longer that you walk with Jesus? First off, like this is not my first time reading through the Bible and that's not a pat on my back. It's just like when I read it through as a kid, it was more of, man, I need to make myself better. I need to somehow make myself worthy of something worthy of following Jesus. And man, that's just (laughs) doesn't do it because I ended up just dreading it and hating it and just seeing a God full of wrath and anger. And I know it's righteous anger, of course, but like it was not life-giving to me. The closer I've walked with Jesus, the more I'm like being able to sit and be like, Lord, show me who you are through these texts. And I don't want to make a God out of my own image. Like Mm -hmm. I want it to be you who I find and you who I see. And it's just been truly life-giving. I'd say probably the last year and a half. It's funny. I actually read Psalm 19 this morning and it says like the law of the Lord is life-giving and pure and brings strength to the bones and Mm -hmm. and out of that the last verse in that psalm is may the meditation of my heart and the thoughts of my mind be pleasing to you O lord and it's like as the more i read the bible and the more that it gets into me the more it comes out something you you said there uh, i create god in my own image you know that's exactly opposite of the way it should be right yeah Mm -hmm. uh because we've even talked about how god created us yeah in his image, in the image and the likeness of God where we created, and yet uh, we often just try to create him in our own image. Yeah, I think we're actually probably going to see that a lot in Exodus as we walk through the next few weeks. Yes, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Jimmy, yeah. how about you? I think uh, I, I can really relate. I was laughing at what Eli said. I, I really felt the same way. I've, I've, uh, I'm a preacher's kid, grew up in the church. I've read the Bible as early as I could read, you know, and there was a... a, a part of me and part of my journey to the Lord, I just felt like there was something missing. Just felt like uh, there was something that wasn't right. You know, describe it how you will, but like there's a hole, you know, and I was trying to fill it up with the Lord. And all I knew to do was to read scripture and I read it and read it and read it and read it. (laughs) And I was just consuming it, but I don't think it was transforming me. Yeah. And I use this 
phrase a lot when it comes to uh, premarital counseling. We get the opportunity to do this a lot. And this is all connected, by the way. But I'll, I'll say uh, love is at first an emotion and then it's a decision. Yeah. Like you first start with this feeling of passion and then uh, not that the passion fades, but it turns into duty and to responsibility and focus and attention and hard work and effort. And I think my relationship with the Lord started the opposite way. Yeah, It was very dutiful and diligent mm-hmm. and scholarly and um, a mental exercise. It wasn't a hard exercise. And I remember being 16 or 17 and someone really presenting the gospel to me honestly in earnest for the first time. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't simply tolerate me. He loves me. Right. At best, I was a deist. I didn't realize it, mm-hmm. but I just thought the Lord sent the world into motion. I ended up here. He's there. I'm I'm here, and he could care less about me, probably. I'm just trying not to get lightning bolted, you know? <laughs> but at that time, it was like, oh my gosh, this duty and diligence I feel to try to consume the Word, to try to make myself okay. Uh, it, the Word couldn't do it. The law couldn't do it, and Jesus is the one that transformed who I am. So as I've pressed closer in to Jesus, the less I know intellectually about the Bible, the less of an expert I feel about his word or the things that, and I, and I just want to be a student of his heart and his character. I see his character, his goodness, his promises for me and what my place is in it. And I feel more like a son as I mm-hmm. pursue him, more yeah. like someone he loves as yeah. I dig in and, 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 and try to seek him out. Yeah. Yeah, and I've found the more I sit with Jesus, the longer I really see this as a truly a relationship, mm-hmm. the more I understand God's heart for me. And the more I understand his heart for me, honestly, the more I see that throughout Scripture. Yeah, And as I read, it yeah. just really completely jumps off the page and seeing God's heart for, for the world, but also specifically for his people. Yeah. And... Uh, it's a really beautiful thing. It impacts. It definitely impacts the way that I, the way that I read scripture. Um, so that's cool. Basically, what I said in ten minutes, you said in one minute. That's great. <laughs> that's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I find myself not using so many words sometimes. Yeah. Which uh, drives my wife crazy. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. We are reading through the Bible and using this uh, called the Daily Bible in chronological order. For our readings this week, we essentially move from Exodus 9 through 31. Uh, There are some things that are pulled out in there, some of the specific laws and stuff that we will actually read later. Uh, But in essence, it kind of tracks through that. So uh, maybe you're just joining us for the first time. So we want to give you a little bit of recap of what uh, the reading has been for this week. And before we do the recap, I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast yet. The reason why reading the Bible chronologically is significant, there's 66 books in the Bible and they are not laid out in chronological order. In, in some of the text, it, it, it is. Right. But the, this is 66 different books, different writers, all inspired mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit. Um, but the timeline uh, is broken as you go backwards and forwards as you're reading the text. Sure. And so if you're new to reading the Bible... Uh, maybe this is your first time to read it through. You're reading it chronologically. It's going to skip around 
from this section to that section with the hope of kind of having a clear timeline of events mm-hmm. as you read scripture. I just think we, we've ever yeah, said that. No, no, that's, that's why it's to, significant to, to read it chronologically. And reading chronologically is one way. Mm-hmm. It's not the only way. Oh, sure, but of course. It's, it's one way uh, to read through the Bible. And one thing that I know we've mentioned a couple of times already, that the Bible is a collection of works, Mm -hmm. of literature inspired by God. Uh, As you mentioned, Jimmy, the 66 different books, uh, 40 different authors written over a time period of 1,500 years, I believe it is. And yet, Mm -hmm. it tells one unified story. That points to Jesus. Tell them about Jesus, Brian. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I know. And we and that's what I've really enjoyed is as we've gone through, man, we've seen him each week, mm-hmm. right? And that will hold true this week. So we picked up this week, uh, six days ago in Exodus chapter 9, which is in the middle of uh, the Exodus account. Uh, it's in the, the middle of God hearing the cries of his people mm-hmm. uh, who were in slavery for 400 years in Egypt, he calls Moses and says, hey, I want you to go, and we're going to get my people out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him to let my people go. And God knew how it was going to play out. He's like, mm-hmm. he's not going to agree to this. Right. Uh, in the process of that, we see these plagues, and we're about halfway through these plagues, and we see the plague of dead animals and boils and hail mm-hmm. and locusts and darkness, all kind of playing this this same routine. Uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. God wants them to be able to go out and to worship him. Mm-hmm. And Pharaoh says, no. <laughs> and so God says, okay, I'm going to show you my glory, right? right? Um, and then we have one of these plagues. This just continues. Mm-hmm. And uh, was there anything yet that you guys saw in those? We don't have to spend time on on each one, but is there anything that jumped out to you in those? The, the, the summary of what I was getting from the plagues is uh, the, the word distinction keeps coming to mind, mm-hmm. where the, the Israelites are being made distinct from the people of Egypt uh, and, uh, and Pharaoh. And uh, we see that in, in, in all of these where uh, the livestock of the Egyptians are killed, but the livestock of the Israelites are spared. Um, there was a plague of hail, for example, that uh, ruined so many things, except Goshen was spared, which is a, a place that we read about in chapters earlier yeah. that was given to Joseph after. Right. Uh, the and, and, and it's significant in that um, when we open Exodus, it's like, this is a Pharaoh who cared nothing about Joseph. Yeah. And the previous Pharaoh, 430 years before, um, cared about Joseph and had good reason. And because of that favor he found, he gave him the land of Goshen. Right. And that's where many of the people of God dwelled. And then now we see that area being spared. So it's yet another calling apart and distinction um, that we see. Yeah, I think I've always struggled with the plagues because it's, man... Ah, it just sometimes it weighs very heavy. I've read it this time and noticed some certain things like up until the plague of the boils, I think it mm. was, Pharaoh's magicians are able to recreate it in some sense. And yeah. and that is what hardens Pharaoh's heart. It's almost like this separate fall narrative, like mm-hmm. you see in Genesis chapter three of like, and Pharaoh saw 
that his magicians were able to do this. And so he still thought that he was God or that his gods were better. And like continually over and over again, you see Yahweh, this God proving his mastery over the gods Mm. of this nation, Egypt. Finally, it like comes into, it comes to completion in the, the plague of the firstborn, but specifically also the one before that, which is darkness. And you had, Jimmy, you'd said earlier, like it says that the darkness was so heavy it could be felt. Yeah. And that to me kind of reminds me of just what I picture the world before God created it. Uh-huh. Like it's mm. almost like this uncreation of uh-huh. um, God took away the light that right. he said, let there be light. And like, right. that's him getting mastery also over the Egyptians, God Ra, which is the sun God. And he's like, their big dog, like their top God. And so God, this Yahweh is finally like, no, I am yeah, almighty God. I'll blot out your literal son and your God that represents the son. Yeah. Yeah. And Joseph is the anti-Pharaoh. We talked about this. Yeah. They're yeah. like the antithesis of one another. Yeah. They're like bookends uh, uh, of the, of this narrative, uh, this, this new Pharaoh. Right. Right. So we get to, and you mentioned then the plague of the death of, of the firstborn throughout the land of Egypt, and yet God makes a provision mm-hmm. for those who are willing to follow him, and we see the Passover, right? So God uh, instructs his people, says, hey, the angel of death is going to pass through here, but find a spotless, yeah. unblemished lamb Tell them about Jesus, Brian. Take its life, <laughs> take the blood, yeah, and put it on your doorposts, mm-hmm. on the door frames, and wherever the blood is seen, that angel will pass over mm-hmm. and spare their life. Then there's a whole lot of other stuff in there about hey, bake some bread, but don't put leaven in it. Don't don't take time to because right. you're getting ready to go. Right. You're getting ready to see my deliverance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is this is how it's going to take place. Earlier you asked what's different between when you were reading the Bible then versus now. Mm-hmm. When I would hear about the plagues and read these accounts, it felt very hard. It felt almost cruel, you know. But I'm looking back uh, to the Exodus account. The first thing we see is that's what Pharaoh does to the people of Israel, is that he puts them, uh, their firstborn, on the chopping block because he sees that they're too numerous, they're too powerful, and that's his first move is to get rid of the firstborn and kind of cut their legs out from under him. And I think my heart was focused on God and my uh, lack of understanding as to why he would do such a thing. Mm. But what what, what we see is that the Israelites were given an opportunity to access uh, hope, and had Pharaoh been willing had his courts had an obedient ear to the Lord, because we see that in chapters past where pagan kings and queens and um, priests of different gods, they they see the wisdom of God Mm -hmm. and they make corrections in their lives, but Pharaoh was obstinate and unwilling to change. And so we see the the people of God set apart where they're provided this deliverer in the middle of uh, of this uh, plague. And thinking of uh, pointing to Jesus, my mind immediately goes to, and thinking about the Passover lamb, uh, I immediately think of, you know, when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming 
coming to where he's been teaching and yeah. and yeah. baptizing people and uh he says behold the lamb of, the god, lamb of god who yeah. takes away the sins of the world mm-hmm. and uh, i love that uh peter and first peter and paul in uh first corinthians 5 he talks about jesus being i mean just straight out he is our passover lamb yeah and it's his blood spread on the, I sound like an old Baptist preacher, <laughs> over the doorpost of your heart. Amen. Amen. Uh, Preach it, brother. God sees that hand. <laughs> but no, that's that's it. It's 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 his blood that covers us. Yeah. And while we're here, you know, in Jesus's story, uh, King Herod hears of this coming Messiah, and what's his first move? Kill mm-hmm. all the firstborn. And that's why they're on the run, you know, yeah. in the beginning. And it's the, the history is repeating itself in the same way that he delivered Moses into the waters of the Nile. He set apart Jesus mm-hmm. as we see all the way in obedience and to death on the cross, becoming the Passover lamb, becoming the sacrifice yeah. that we needed. Interesting thing. Okay. As the Exodus story continues, finally, Pharaoh says, hey, you guys get out of here. Yeah. And, and they go, they're journeying out. They come to the Red Sea. And at the, in the meantime, Pharaoh's like, uh, we're just going to go. We're going to go after him. We're going to take him out. God does a miraculous thing, parts the waters of the yeah. Red Sea, and the people come through it, and then they wash back over you know, the Egyptians. So seeing that deliverance. And then they, they get out of there and are walking into the wilderness, mm-hmm. thinking to Jesus' story. Oh, totally. After Jesus' baptism, he comes through the water, yeah. and then where does the Spirit lead him? Wilderness. Yep. Into the wilderness. Yeah. The Bible's so cool. Come it on. It is cool. It's all there. <laughs> yeah. It's, God wants us to know that there's a storyline that plays out, and it plays out in our, in our hearts and in our lives, too. Yeah. So we've got this nation a uh, lot of people. people that have lived their lives in slavery, and now they find themselves in freedom. But to be fair to them, they don't know what this is looking like. Mm-hmm. They don't know where it's headed. Uh, they get out in the into the into the wilderness out of their homes essentially yet they were found themselves in bondage then they're they're going out and they're trying to figure out how do we be a people hey where's where's our food gonna come from right they actually it's in the words that are used they grumble against uh-huh. the Lord I think that was my note on each chapter as I was taking notes the people complain the people complain yeah. the people complain and yet God still provides mm-hmm. he, he provides gives them the quail. Sabbath. He provides manna. Do what? He gives them the Sabbath for a reason. It's like you've spent your whole life in slavery and making bricks without straw. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to understand what I say it is to be human. And so you're going to spend the seventh day and rest. And I'm going to provide for you on that seventh day. So the Sabbath is a, is a physical representation of trusting God. They are a new people. They are his people. And they have the opportunity to live into what it means to trust him and to be a kingdom of priests, which hopefully we're going to talk about in a second. Well, yeah, and before we move on in Exodus 16, uh, I just wrote down all they knew was slavery. You know, these people, they, they knew what it was like to be slaves. They knew that they had, you know, such as it was, they had food, they had places to stay, whatever. They knew about being slaves. That's what they were used to. But God's offering this great far country, this kingdom, this inheritance, this milk, this honey, and yet they're like being sarcastic. Like, did they not have enough graves for us in Egypt that you've taken us out here to die? Yeah. And they just can't get a picture. And I, I'm sympathetic toward them because that's all they knew right. was slavery. And God is trying to do a new work in them, to Eli's point, to show them 
what it means to be a people, and not only a people, but a free people. To continue the story along, we get to, to Exodus 19, and they're at the foot of Mount Sinai, and Moses goes up on the mountain to, to meet with God. And this is, this is the point at which God's going to establish his covenant with the people. You know, he's been passing along his promises and his blessings here in Exodus 19. I want to read this little section because I, I think it's I think it's what keeps the storyline moving, uh, this storyline that we've been tracking through Scripture of, of God's promises to his people. It says, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to, his descend- to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to all the people of Israel. I immediately go to First Peter, where... Peter's talking to a bunch of followers of Jesus, and he says, but you are a royal priesthood. Mm-hmm. You yeah. are a holy nation. Yeah. And that's a throwback to this mm-hmm. point right here. Mm-hmm. God says, you're going to be my people, but you got to walk with me. Right. You, you got to follow what I say, because I know what's best for you. Right. I created you. Walk in my ways, mm-hmm. and you'll be my people. Amazing. So, so what does a, a kingdom of priests look like? Well, I was just going to say, imagine being in that time where the priest is the one that had access to the Lord, that, that fellowshiped with the Lord, that the Lord spoke to. And now he's saying, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. As I'm sitting by my campfire at night, I'm thinking like, how can I be a priest? I'd, mm-hmm. I'd have to be in communion with God. Yeah. <laughs> and and we see that Jesus says it's better that I go because I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he'll be ever present and ever with you. The logical end to this thought is that if I'm a if I'm a priest and an ambassador for Jesus, that means that I have access to his presence. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be in a tabernacle and it's not going to be in a, in an ark or in some bush or whatever. It's going to be in my heart such as I am. I'm a vessel for the Holy Spirit. And so where I go, he goes. I have a, the ability to either reflect myself or reflect the glory of the Lord in the things that I do, the things that I say, the way that I love my family, the way that I serve people. Eli, what do you think it means? I think I think a lot of the Bible is exists to flesh that out, actually. Yeah. I think um, what we're going to read in the law, I mean, first, it's groundbreaking compared to the way laws were back then. Like I remember studying some like contemporaries of Moses in high school of just the way that laws are set up. And what you see is Yahweh values human life and the laws are centered around that. And what you see is that the Lord desperately wants to be with his people and wants to dwell with them. And so he's not content to stay up on the mountain. Right. He says, build this tabernacle the imagery, by the way, that you see in the tabernacle instructions are all, it's, it's garden imagery from the Garden of Eden. And it's, it's designed to say the presence of God 
is going to dwell among you and you are going to be this kingdom of priests. And he says like, hey, you can't touch this mountain because my pure goodness and holiness is like, it, it will take you out if you're not ready. God dwelling in relationship with man and with woman. And so he says, here are these instructions. Here's the instructions for an altar. Here's everything so that I can dwell with you. And, and ultimately you see once they complete the tabernacle, that the presence of God in cloud and fire dwelling in the midst mm. of the camp. So that's what it means to be kingdom of priests is you are in proximity to God and you are representation of humanity to God and God to humanity. And what's really interesting when he, when he tells them this, so many of the instructions he, he gives for the priests then comes after and the ordination of, of those priests of Aaron and his sons and then creation of, of uh, the positions for, for the Levites comes after they have heard this from God, heard this covenant, and then they immediately, and we'll see in the next week's reading, they immediately, the people immediately, yeah, uh, laughably, walk away, yeah, from from God's God's heart for them. To wrap up this this recap, we didn't even get into <laughs> no. uh, the uh, the Ten Commandments, the giving yeah. of the Ten Commandments, which mm. is really just the centerpiece of of the law that, that God is giving to them, and then the instructions for the priesthood and the tabernacle. But to, to wrap us up, I, I'd like to ask you guys this question, um, because we've, we've been talking about the things that jump out to us. Uh, if you were to sum up this week's reading with one word, what would it be? Jimmy, what, what about you? Uh, mine is distinction. You know, we see... Uh, over and over, whether it be by plagues or what the Lord is telling his people, that I'm setting you apart, you know, and we've read in earlier chapters about circumcision, um, which is just a physical representation of differentness. Well, I want you to be a different, peculiar people as you walk in the world. And um, God is working about their distinction kind of in every chapter. That's just what I what I kept writing down is the things that were happening to the Egyptians were not happening to the Israelites and what should have gone this way for them went this way. And um, it's pretty amazing to see how set apart and to what length God goes to set apart as people from everyone else. So much so that the enemies of God and the enemies of God's people see the way that God is working in the people of God mm-hmm. and they have fear. They, they tremble against... Yahweh. <laughs> and, and by the way, I want to get a shirt made up that says, uh, not your way, but Yahweh. If anyone, <laughs> wow. wants, if anyone wants that, send, send yeah. me an email. I think I'll pass. I'm oh, sure. come on. That's a good, that's a good dad joke. Yeah, but. I'm sure it would be popular somewhere. Yeah. My mom would love it. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Uh, I think two words that jump out, deliverance, uh, because we see the way that God delivers his people. We see that story. I think last week I actually talked about deliverer uh, and seeing uh, what's pointing to Jesus. But also I would say provision, even as as they're delivered, God continues to provide. Mm-hmm. And ultimately he provides a way for salvation as we talked about the Passover lamb. Right. And that then points to Jesus. I think I, I just can't get away from the word dwelling. It's one that Jesus used to like in the language of abiding, it brings to mind the idea of, you know, I've heard my whole life, it's relationship and not religion, but the only relationships I've seen modeled in my society and my education system, even sometimes within churches, it's like, 
it's all transactional relationship. It's like if and then, but it's like, no, God is the one that has initiated the relationship. He's dwelling among his people. Mm. I think that the longer that I, the more that I read the Bible and the longer that I spend time with Jesus, I continually see the initiation of God and the dwelling with his people, the way that he makes a way for that. Like he gives them the Ten Commandments. And then right after that, he says, now you should build an altar because I want to be with you. And because I know that you're not going to be able to keep these laws. Yeah. I think that the I just want to dwell with God. I think the language of the Psalms is filled with that idea of, I, I just want to be in a doorkeeper in your yeah, house. Yeah. Yeah. I just I, I just want to be in your presence and dwell with you. Yeah, That's my word for the yeah. week. So. No, that's great. And that leads us really to a major theme that we'll look at next week. If you're just joining us and you're like, oh, I'm so far behind. You guys are always already through the book of Exodus. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if, start, start where we're yeah. at. Start, uh, right. start right here. And this next week, we are going to see the construction of the, of the tabernacle, which I think is a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that next week. Uh, guys, thanks. It's been fun. Thank you, Brian. Uh, yeah, there's so much more we could have talked about, but uh, we kind of ran out of time. Uh, but thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thank you for listening. If you have any additional questions, again, trolls will be banned forever. But if you have any additional <laughs> questions about stuff we've not covered, or if you want to get connected to a church body, or if you just like to know more about Jesus, email us at twtw at com. Awesome. And uh, again, we we close up by saying thanks to the River mm-hmm. uh, Community Church. We're, we're grateful that uh, through all of you guys, we have the opportunity to do this. And uh, if you'd like more information on the River, you can go to therivercc.com. Hey, that wraps us up. Appreciate you guys. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.